What's up? Welcome back to Guitar Blah Blah, the daily podcast for people who just can't shut up about guitars. If all you want to do all day long is anything and everything to do with guitars, then this is the podcast for you. This is the podcast of axesandblades.com. Again, if you're a guitar obsessive, guitar nerd, guitar pervert, then check out axesandblades.com and check out Axes and Blades on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, wherever you get your guitar content for all sorts of guitar goodness focused on awesome, unique instruments and the stories and people behind them. So if you were listening to yesterday's episode, I was talking a lot about uh, my latest acquisition uh, in the ongoing saga of my curable gas. Um my jhg yasha model guitar and i was talking about how i got kind of surprised by the specs of that the first time i had an interaction with a yasha and it taught me a little bit about ignoring specs and sometimes maybe over focusing on specs as a guitarist and stuff like that anyway whatever that was all in yesterday's podcast but speaking of that guitar my yasha from jhg guitars and speaking of specs there's another Perhaps the most interesting thing about that guitar actually ties into what I want to talk about today. So that guitar, the reason I bought that one when I went to buy a Yasha model, I decided that I I really wanted one. So I I was talking to Hans, the builder at JHG Guitars. Um, I played a bunch of his models, a bunch of different Yasha models. Uh, And if you go to the Axes and Blades channels, you can see me playing a bunch of different ones to, to get an idea of the range that's available of them. But, you know, it's hard to decide which one because they're, they're, they're all good, to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, there was a bit of consideration of what I needed and what I wanted. But I always gravitated towards this particular Yasha that I now have. And there's a bunch of reasons for that. It's just also the thing of, for some reason, that one had the magic for me, right? That one just had, like, the feeling of, you know that's that's the that's the one I want to get. I want it. Give me it. <laughs> that's the one I want. I didn't phrase it to Hans quite like that. I was slightly more polite, um, and I gave you know him money because that's how transactions work. So I, I didn't in case just in case someone was getting the idea that I had robbed a guitar builder um, at knife point, as it sounded like for a second there. That's what I was saying internally. Was just give me the guitar, give me it, or I'll do you. Um, Instead, I gave him money and we we approached it like a standard transaction. But um, one of the things that did attract me to, on top of just that that feeling of this once kind of got it, is that that guitar is actually called the Yasha Local Wood Guitar. And it's really special because it's a one-off. It's, it's a one-of-a-kind version of the Yasha model. And why it's special is it was made for something called the Local Wood Challenge at the Holy Grail Guitar Show in Berlin. And this is an event and this challenge was organized, both things were organized by the EGB, that's the European Guitar Builders Association. And the idea of this was seeing that for reasons of challenging yourself as a craftsperson and uh, kind of expanding the bounds of what you can do and what's possible, but also for sustainability kind of reasons, seeing if it was possible to build all sorts of different guitars, not just certain restricted models, but all sorts of different guitars using only local woods. So that was the 
rule of the challenge. That was the whole point of it was seeing, can you as a guitar builder build what you want to build or build a new experimental build with only local woods? Is it a big challenge or are woods that are conducive to guitar building actually in every local area? Will it teach us that we don't need exotic woods or will it teach us that actually getting these exotic woods from all over the world uh, is something that continues for a reason? Is it just tradition or are those really the best, most uh, kind of flexible, most, well, really easiest woods to use for guitar building? So that was the idea of the challenge. It's a really cool idea. And out of it um, came just fantastic, beautiful guitars from all sorts of guitar builders, as well as a bunch of lessons on wood species and what we use. And that's what I want to talk a bit about today. Just a little insight into this local wood concept as it's become grown out of this challenge and of course was existent before the idea of using only local woods moving away from exotic woods so th there's a few things with exotic woods it doesn't mean it's evil if your guitar has um like ebony or rosewood on it that would that you know i hope not because <laughs> i gotta because those are my guitars i have uh, you know, grew up playing normal, inexpensive guitars, and, and that's why I play mostly now. Like all of us, you play these guitars in these big brands, Schecter, BRS, LT, like whatever, Squire, Epiphone. And, you know, there's Rosewood and, and things like that on all these models, or Ebony fretboards, or woods that have come from all around the world. Um, but there is a suggestion that it could be problematic for ethical reasons, because the sourcing of this wood can possibly be problematic. Some of these woods sometimes come from war-torn areas and sometimes there is conflict around owning well owning all sorts of valuable uh, resources and that can include wood that is used in furniture building and guitar building apparently so so that can be problematic should we be getting wood from these areas where we don't know where the money's going um you know it's hard to say the the the, the knowledge around it is blurry just like people say oh you know the the various minerals and things and the gold that are in iPhones and in your everyday electronics come from hard to trace areas, a lot of which have war torn things around them. You know, it's like you won't, you wouldn't ever buy a blood diamond, even if you have the money, because that's horrible. But are all of us using electronics like me right now and you right now listening to this, are we using electronics that have kind of uh, minerals and things that were obtained in really ethically questionable ways? apparently that that might be the way just like the way we're probably all sitting here clothed well i'm nude right now no i'm not um hopefully you're clothed to some extent oh, you know what i don't care if people listen to this naked i'm not gonna say it thrills me that would be wor worrying or maybe not if we're mutually thrilled i guess anyway if for all, many of us the majority probably are wearing clothes right now which are made in again difficult to trace difficult to properly definitively source possibly ethically questionable places so the same can be said of these woods the other thing is just that uh the other side of that is it might not be sustainable getting these woods from places could there be deforestation if the wood isn't as regulated if it's coming from these places which again we don't know much about the sources could it be that deforestation and that this and uh, occurs at a greater rate things are not monitored as clearly and that by buying these exotic woods for our guitar burning is a problem. Um, and the third part of it, I guess, would be the kind of CITES thing, which we're all really familiar with, which is that sometimes these would become difficult and and uh, more expensive or 
just more frustrating to get. And so we have to change our wood species anyway, which most recently happened with rosewood. And you can see that even though uh, guitars then became recently exempt from those CITES restrictions on rosewood, a lot of guitar makers didn't go back from their alternatives because it's just a fact to change all the time. So if they switch to Palferro for their fretboards, they, they've stuck with it, a lot of them, because to change it and change back and change, change back is is getting in the way of your manufacturing processes and it's causing upheaval in those ways. So you, you, just, you just don't do it. Um, so a, there's a bunch of different reasons why finding local sources of wood, which you know more about, which you have really clear information on, could potentially have some advantages. Uh, you know, the sustainable thing, shipping wood all over the world, is that really good? Now, as with the Rosewood Sites debate, what we all agreed on was that, and the reason guitars got an exemption really was because guitars not really the problem. Um, it's, we use wood generally, let's say relatively, it's not a problem because the wood is used in such small quantities and in such ways that um, the problems like with Rosewood were really coming from, there were a couple of things actually, but one of the main things was that it became popular in like cheap Chinese furniture, I believe it was, and they were making enormous amounts of that from rosewood trees and and that was really causing the problems which caused it to be uh restricted further by by uh the CITES regulations but whilst that might be the case as an individual as a guitar builder as a company as a customer we might go just like with anything yeah you know i'd rather get the one where i know where the wood comes from i'd rather buy from a place where it is definitely sustainable you know like a fair trade chocolate or something like it's just got a stamp of approval it's not definitive, but it just gives me a better idea that maybe this is just a bit more sound. I'm not saying the other stuff isn't. It's just that we know definitively that there's a good chance that this has come from a good place. The wood's from a sustainable source. It doesn't need to be massively carbon offset because it's been shipped all over the world already before it's even been built. So there are all these considerations in there which are really interesting and which uh, which builders are starting to look at. It might also just be the thing, thing of wanting to support your local business. You know, it's like the the buy American kind of thing. We, we outsource so much and move so much to other parts of the world. Maybe you just want to support not just a local wood dealer, but local wood producers as well. So my Yasha guitar is uh, made in the Netherlands and it's got a body made from chestnut, which is really interesting. It looks... The figuring kind of on it through the finish, uh, if you've seen on yesterday's video, does not look dissimilar to to to, to some ash and things like that. Um, but it's it's heavier. It's kind of if you're a tone wood person, you'll talk about its resonant qualities being differently. But it's, it's definitely heavier without being too heavy. Uh, and then um, everything everything um, else, it's just a maple neck. So the maple neck and fretboard one piece is also from the Netherlands. The chestnut's from the Netherlands, so it's the maple. All local woods, and it's an amazing, amazing guitar that Hans did something a bit different with, but which shows that, hey, if you want a style of guitar like this, there's no need for us to, to really get wood from from all these other sources, maybe. Um, unless, unless you just love that wood, and then, hey, that's where it's coming from. But it's just showing what's possible. Uh, all, of, all of the builders in the local wood challenge all build with other woods, and we love those woods. Like, they love using rosewood and ebony stuff. All of them do that. This is not some crusade to get rid of those those woods. It's just about seeing what else is possible and then uh, exploring new areas. And that's what I think a lot of small builders do. So as well as JHG, the builder I really want to highlight today 
who I've talked about the local wood concept with the most, I want to talk about Daimo Guitar Works. That's uh, Frank and Cora over at Daimo Guitar Works. They are based in Germany, uh, in the middle of some beautiful countryside is where their workshop is. Um, And I guess fittingly, as people that live in the middle of beautiful countryside might get you waking up every morning thinking about, wow, we should protect these natural spaces. So the sustainability angle is definitely something that is on their mind. You you might get to thinking, well, where's this wood coming from? And, and do I always want to be shipping wood all around the world on, yeah, on boats and whatnot, um, which are burning fuel all the time and getting this wood from places where it can possibly be suspect or not entirely sound. All, all these things I've talked about. Um, so when Diamond Guitar Works moved there, workshop from berlin out into the countryside um there's a, a university near there and that university was already running a program looking at using local woods to replace tropical or exotic woods and can it be done and specifically looking at that for musical instruments and the way they were looking at this was people want these woods in their musical instruments these exotic woods like rosewood or ebony we, we're traditional about those things because we know that we like them, right? We, Whether you're a tonewood guy or not, we know we like the look of that wood, like a maple cap even, right? We know we like that. We know we like how um, this body or this neck wood looks or feels. And people who work with it, they know how those woods are. They know how to work with swamp ash. They know how to work with maple. They know how to work with ebony. So that familiarity whilst we have our kind of like irrational traditionalism because we're sort of all immensely stuck in the past as guitarists, including myself, like because we got that traditionalism, this isn't a rational part of it, but there's also a rational thing. Like it makes sense when there's so many variables of specs and, and different things on a guitar as a builder or as a player to have at least some familiarity of I know what I like and what I don't like. I know maple versus rosewood versus ebony i can think this that and the other i have those opinions that's some familiar ground for me to at least start navigating on that's that's comfortable and it's actually helpful um so what this university was doing um in germany uh what they started doing was looking at doing thermo treatment with the local woods to try and get the local woods to either behave and and have the properties that are very, very close to specific exotic woods or being totally new and new unique, but having all of the benefits or maybe even more benefits of these exotic woods that we love to have in our guitars that we either build or we play or we compulsively buy and sell or whatever we do, whatever we do with them. Uh, it feels like the last thing we do with them sometimes is play them, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, so that, that, that's the program that they started. And when the Daimler workshop moved out to that area, the university, and then we're in contact and, and they started to, to then work together. And it's a really interesting combination to work on getting the right woods for guitars rather than just what woods do I have? And then experimenting from there. It's a combination of the really scientific and the really subjective. So there are all these measurements and ways of testing exotic woods and then using that knowledge to alter the treatment of a local wood and in that way you can 
really closely scientifically get a well either replicated or get an improvement of the exotic wood so that's one way that's one way that they that they that they approach this but then working with uh frank daimo as a guitar builder and a guitar player um and the people the players of course that then frank daimo works with he then brings to the table the subjective aspect and the actually just experiential aspect of a builder and a player so they might treat a wood and say this we've made this harder so that it's more conducive to this but then frank can take it into the workshop and experiment with it and go okay it's not going to work as a fretboard wood because the frets aren't seating correctly or it's really difficult to get the slots in there and that was more time consuming or more laborious than working with maple so no one's going to want to do it so we either have to change the treatment or maybe uh he works with it and goes yeah it's not going to work as a fretboard wood like we felt but because of the way this particular one has weight relief actually this one might be a perfect bodywood material where we can carve like a really uh these kind of bigger maybe like single cut uh guitar shapes uh with the body but have nice weight relief without needing to do chambering or, or making something partially hollow or, or anything like that so they have this process where they combine the experiential this kind of subjective idea of how it feels in the hand how the player likes it does it click with the player who's used to these exotic woods which is important because that's all of us uh and the experience of a builder what's it like to work with is it going to be worthwhile working with it our builder's going to want to work with it and they combine that with the more data-driven approach and the more scientific approach to experiment with thermo treating woods to i guess not just recreate exotic woods but potentially make better woods for guitars and frank himself touched on this he's you know he loves all those traditional woods but he says something that's very true those woods were not originally selected because Leo Fender and these other guitar luminaries had been around the world and tried all of these different wood species and found the ones that were most conducive to guitar. No, especially with the case of Fender, these woods were chosen because they were, well, they were easy to work with and putting together the Fender guitars was supposed to be easy and quick and be able to do it on a production line assembly, quick and cheap, but they were also quick and cheap woods to acquire. They were easy to get a hold of. They're not crazy expensive. There was an abundance of them at the time um and and so they were picked for those reasons they were picked for really business reasons really smart reasons they were picked for and hey they freaking work right but they were not picked by someone who had all this wealth of experience like like builders have now of experimenting with a ton of wood and having the history and seeing how guitars age over time you only get that because we're 70 years later so it's about saying that yeah we love those woods we're not going to get rid of just get rid of these woods because because they're fantastic like ebony and rosewood and, and and everything else that we love to use but maybe with all the experience and everything we can make things really specific we can create as a builder hey i love working with this wood but its problem is x maybe we can fix that problem x and build kind of a perfect combination wood or a wood that is the perfect thing for a builder to work with or wood that perfectly satisfies a player or a wood that in some way fulfills a need even greater than the ones we do have or that works perfectly with the woods we currently have so that's another really exciting aspect as well as tackling those issues we talked about at the start that's another really exciting aspect of this local wood project um 
and and Daimo guitars have been doing some fantastic stuff and you see their guitars it's it's not like oh the guitars look weird or look completely bizarre without the right woods they just look like beautiful woods including some very exotic looking very beautiful woods with incredible figuring and then you read the specs you read the post wherever you're seeing this guitar from Daimo Guitar Works and it's a thermo treated wood so it's a local wood it's a sustainably grown wood but it's gone through this process of thermo treating with some scientific data to back it up with players and builders contributing to the discussion about how to get this wood perfect and that's what's on the guitar and players love it and it's getting a really good response from 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 their artists and from the people they work with and from frank as a builder and a player himself so that is a seriously cool prospect that we could be getting new flavors of wood and it's just great to have more variation in the guitar world again like i was saying before uh in the previous episode if you're going to make a guitar you know there's so many awesome guitars at every price point if you're going to come into the world and say i'm going to be a builder in my little workshop building my my custom guitars or my own models of guitars bring something different to the table and this is something exciting that a bunch of small builders around the world are doing and i think diamond guitar works is really at the forefront of that frank and cora are doing fantastic stuff and whether you are interested in the ethical or sustainable kind of reasons for that if you're interested in it for that or you just want to experience new things as a player you just want to get uh something new you want to find a unique guitar or a guitar that just has something really cool about it they kind of hit all those notes and then if you want to get really nerdy about it they might even find woods that that solve certain problems that you might have uh, kind of idiosyncrasies as guitarists you know you might go i love the way this resonates and stuff but why is it always so heavy this process with local woods could actually find a way to 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 bring you solutions to those little kind of idiosyncratic problems we have um which is a really cool exciting prospect I think, for any of us uh who love nerding out about all this sort of stuff which is really, really cool. And just to see more variation and more new things happening. We all love new things, whatever it is, not just guitars, like anything, you know, new whatever. It, it's 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 very exciting. So I'm really excited to see what they come out with. Uh, so far, they've used local woods. A few of the ones they've used, they've used poplar, they've used willow. They've been using acacia as well for fretboards. And uh, when I last spoke to Frank, he said they were still refining that, like combining all the feedback altering the, the thermo treatment and, and refining and perfecting and perfecting to basically make it an amazing potentially amazing new fretboard material which again some players might go oh, i don't like using ebony because it kind of comes from some maybe dodgy places but i hate the way rosewood is uh, is always kind of feels a bit granular a bit grainy under my hands and i don't like the look of maple it's got to be this got to be that you know, this is developing new fretboard materials, which might get us because we are, let's be honest, as guitarists can be pretty freaking picky sometimes. This might be mean that we can sort of basically create a perfect wood to, to hit one of those niches, whatever your concerns are, whatever you actually care about coming into this, um, whether it's just your personal problems or the ethical kind of implications of what you're buying and playing. It, it, it's cool that this could hit all those notes. Personally, I think that's really awesome. Uh, and Frank himself believes that he's not saying he necessarily wants to, but he's saying that if if you know if we all decided that we didn't want to use ethical woods, uh, unethical woods, right? We didn't, we didn't want to use ethical woods. I only want ones that hurt people. I want blood wood and nothing else. But like, um, 
it's cool he's in a death metal band but like if you were wanting to say well i don't want to buy unethical clothes anymore right like unethically sourced clothes it can be hard right it can be hard you got to do a lot of research you got to find some stuff out what frank says is that you know he's not necessarily saying like we have to or we should do but if we all want to move away from these exotic tropical woods frank believes we absolutely can um that those woods that we use are there because of like historical patterns and tradition um we don't necessarily need those these new processes and these new explorations of local woods can hit everything that we want them to hit can fulfill every kind of need and want and, and create more needs and wants and fulfill those um and that you know if there is tiny tiny differences it's going to be at that level where no one's going to be able to, you know no you can argue tone wood all day it's going to be stuff where it's like none of your fans are going to hear this different but what is important is how the player feels does the player like the guitar that's what the the tone thing comes down to do you feel that you like it do you love this instrument do you connect with it do you feel value in it and he says absolutely work with working with musicians like he does you can use this local wood process to fulfill that for sure so that's really really cool i think that's amazing to hear um and for him uh, and cora a diamond guitar work sustainability is a big thing and they believe small builders can have a big role in it because they're able to experiment like this so this is just one of the ways that small builders are looking to kind of change, you know, change the way they do things and say, hey, you know, if that changes the industry, that's great. They're not necessarily looking out to bite at the heels of big companies in that way. But from their own personal perspective, they want to run a business. They want to run their lives in a way that, that fits with their their code, you know, they with them personally, which is, I think, just whether you're agreeing or disagreeing with someone, like that's something we can all respect. Um, and they're saying to small builders just because of the, the, the situational reality of being a small builder one person shop or just a few people in the shop making these decisions versus a huge company that uh they can do an amazing job small builders not to say big companies can't because actually they absolutely can but small builders are really in a unique position in the way that they can experiment and that can include going towards sustainability or solving really niche problems for specific guitarists so that you could order a custom guitar that hits hits it just feels perfect in a way that never has done because they're able to experiment and find these new ways to do things i mean it's really cool uh to see all the things small builders are doing and this is one example of that's great the local wood concept overall and all the builders that are involved in it and um i feel like connected to it as well because i've got this one-off unique guitar from that challenge which i, I just love i love that all of this is in that guitar it makes it such a special guitar and that's part of the reason i bought it like i said my my yasha uh, and also the incredible work of Daimler Guitar Works is is amazing, and it's just one example of what builders are doing in this field, and what builders are doing, experimenting overall and being sustainable and being forward thinking and innovative overall, which is cool and genuinely innovative. You know, I know that we hear that word a lot as guitarists, and it's like you've got to see this. It's one of the most innovative things I've ever seen. And then it's like, well, that's a that is a that is an SG that you've put a Bigsby on. So you ever seen that before? It's like, yeah, probably like last Tuesday. Um, I know that we're inundated with people going like, this is an innovation like no other. And it's like, you've changed from diamond inlays to dots, you idiot. You know, it's, it's, we are full of marketing BS, but these guys are real. They're on a level. This, they're working with experts at a university to develop new ways of new woods that they can use in new ways. You know what I mean? It's, it's like that, that is what innovation looks like um really it is uh which is cool 
which is cool. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. I've blabbed on about that for long enough. That's kind of the, the deal with this podcast, if you haven't got that already from the name and from listening or watching. Um, many of these podcasts do have a video accompaniment. Not every episode. You can only get every episode on audio. So if you're listening to that right now, you already know that. You get it on Spotify, iTunes, all the places that you get podcasts. Um, but many of them also have video accompaniments and they are on the Axes and Blades channels. So you can go to Axes and Blades on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. There's axesandblades.com as well to check it out. Every single episode, we have a song of the day or a music suggestion. And today, it's not a song. Lucky you. I'm so freaking generous, man. It's a whole EP. It's like four songs. Um, I should charge you more for listening to this. I, no, it's free and that's appropriate. Uh, so what I want to suggest today is an EP that I absolutely love. I've loved this for years. People in the know will know and love this. It's it's a cult thing. It's become a cult thing. It's got such a cool story behind it. And the EP I want to suggest today is called No Drum and Bass in the Jazz Room. And this EP is by Clever Girl. Um, yeah, you've never heard of it. Probably. It's a weird niche thing. I just stumbled across it spending far too much time on the internet um, as a kid. And I'm so glad I did. It was one of those amazing, beautiful discoveries. And so many people had that experience. I believe this was the only thing that Clever Girl ever released. Um, and yet, if you're into stuff like Covert and a lot of like the clean tapping and things you see now, um, that came from this whole sort of story history catalog of the kind of roots of that music in this kind of clean math rocky stuff and one of my favorite things in our genre for a lot of people this is true was the clever this clever girl ep just four songs um this band didn't release anything else no one knew anything about them it was just this thing it was on the internet somewhere you'd get torrent or whatever and you'd come across it um and it kind of grew and grew and grew and became a cult thing it's now available on Bandcamp. it might be available elsewhere but on Bandcamp, if you go and check it out, they they put it up there, I think, after they realized how popular it had become. And if you check out on Bandcamp, they've written like a little story about how, you know, they, I think it says something like they released this thing, this little EP, then they weren't together anymore as a band, never thought about it. And then, you know, years later discovered that they were, you know, thousands of emo kids all over the world were trying to get in touch with them uh thousands of thousands of like math rock nerds were all over the world were trying to find out about them and they were like wait what people like this um as if they barely remembered they did it it's it's great it's one of those cool stories as well uh it's really relaxing it's really nice stuff uh i hope you enjoy it uh even if it's not your thing just as a guitarist check out the guitar work in there and how it works with the other instruments it's really nice stuff actually and useful stuff to look at i think too so anyway that's my suggestion of music for the day like i say you've got multiple for the price of one lucky you um and that's it for this one so take care go play guitar and i'll catch you tomorrow